All right, it's time for the Wrestling Perspective Podcast here on WrestlingInc.com. I'm Dennis Farrell with no P.D. Williams this week. He's out with a cold. We'll get him back here soon when he gets strong. P.D. Strong, that's what I've been saying. Hashtag. Instead, I reached out to one of my original podcast buddies. Great story. Air Cordova does the Mouth of the South Shore podcast on I-95 Sports. Eric, what's up, bud? It's going. I mean, was the story the uh, the full circle story I was telling that, you before that, the show? Yes, yes, that was that's that's the story we're going to talk about here in a second. Because right. you and I, we were going to do a wrestling podcast many moons ago. It, a long time ago. God, yes. it's five six years now. Yeah, yeah. It had to, maybe even longer than that. And the first show that you and I were going to do, my power goes out my house. And we had this guest on, which for you and I was a big name guest at that time. I mean, let's not lie to ourselves. We we were lucky to snag a guy of this caliber. We were. And, and uh, you want to give that name? Here in a second. Let's not bury the lead. So <laughs> my, power, right. my power goes off. I shoot you a text that says, I can't do it. You're going to have to do the whole thing by yourself. You were kind of freaked out. I was. Well, you have to understand, you had been in the game for a while. That was my first radio show. Yeah. Other than you throwing me into the fire and half interviewing Lex Luger for five minutes. Which was fun. Other than that, this was my first radio show. Which was fun, by the way. Yeah, that that was a good time. But, uh, yeah. So who who was your first interview? That was Petey Williams. (laughs) And here you are now filling in for said Petey Williams. It, it's the great circle of life, as I learned from The Lion King many, many years ago as a child. All right. Now now that that's done, by the way, we have a guest coming up a little bit later in the podcast, Flying Brian Jr. If you're a Brian Pillman fan, uh, old days, I think he died in 97. This is going to be I'm, – look, I'm excited. I've, I've interviewed a ton of people. He's a great Twitter follower, a very nice kid, and I can't wait to see him – really come into his own it, we were just talking before the podcast about how he wrestled his first indie show in uh, i believe indianapolis a few weeks ago so he is like he's fresh blood in the industry nowhere to go but up at that point but uh, i've heard really good things about that show so you know, i actually reached out and uh really really good reviews three weeks in the business kids three weeks it's not bad doing better than me <laughs> you and I at this point in our lives would probably be lucky to climb the ropes, let alone like run the ropes. Yeah, yeah. I got I got to hold the ropes once for Buff Bagwell, which was a horrible story. I I, I don't want to go into it right now, but let's talk about the. This is a fun year in review show. We threw out the tweet. We got a lot of responses. We're going to talk about that. We first big show of the year, Wrestle Kingdom, was last night. What did you think of the show? Yeah. So. I get to play the the snark that no one's going to like when it comes to this. But I I always enjoy the shows. I just don't put it on that extra pedestal of, like, this is the greatest wrestling show I've ever seen. And the simple answer for that is is I'm not invested in the stories in the way I am when I watch WWE or Impact Wrestling. I watch those programs weekly. I don't watch New Japan weekly. I've watched all the videos with Jericho Omega, so I was invested in that. But a lot of the other matches are just wrestling matches to me. So I enjoyed the show. They always put out a quality wrestling product. But I really got to be roped in by the stories. And only one, maybe two, were things that I was roped in by. And that's only because I sought them out. You're not the only one. I felt the same exact way. I was excited for it because it was the first big show of 2018. If this happened, let's say, July of 2017, I'm not sure I would have had that same excitement. Jericho showed me a side of himself. I re-evolved that character, which told me right now he's the best storyteller in wrestling. That that part was amazing. Outside the Bullet Club stuff, I don't know much about a lot of these guys. We we know the Cody Rhodes, and you, you kind of know the Young Bucks if you check in on the product, which I kind of do. But outside of that, I'm I'm not a New Japan wrestling guy. I I like the indie show stuff. I like Ring of Honor. I like Impact. Of course, WWE. 
But New Japan just falls so far down on my to-do list after five-plus hours of wrestling. So a lot of these other guys I don't know much about. I went in uh, Okada. I went and did some research on him, saw a few of his matches before this, and I caught the end of the Okada match, which was, by the way, phenomenal. But outside of that, it was a good show. It always is. But it's just that extra... Like, when I get roped in by a really good story that's been told over a few months, that's when it really connects with me. It's not so much that, oh, wow, they pulled out an extra Enziguri. Like, that's not – all these guys can do that. What, what really gets you is when you're so invested in who's going to win and who's going to lose and why. And I just – I don't get that with this because I don't follow the program week to week, day to day, whatever it is. So I'm sorry. I mean, you can get on Twitter, and you know, we, if you if you follow this show on Twitter, you've seen my Twitter, the MOTSS Radio, and you can let me know how much of a jerk I am for not thinking this is God's gift to the wrestling world. But you're not a jerk, though. I, I like it. I just don't, you know, I don't love it in the way that maybe I don't follow it enough. Maybe I need to. I don't know. Look, the, the Jericho match was great. I was confused at times because I didn't know if it was a no DQ match or. A, there were a lot of weird. I was not. I up think it was. I, I I was not up to date with like the whole story. I saw the video. I thought that was cool, and you you catch the highlights when they pop up on Facebook. But I was not emotionally invested. And I, PD and I even did a podcast when it first was announced. It said well, we're not all that excited because there's no buildup. Now the buildup came hard and quick. But outside of that, there there wasn't much on that match that made me go, uh, you know, there were some great spots, some some cool moments. But outside of that, I go, all right, you know, it was a different Jericho match. I was excited about that. Yeah, and but the other thing is this. Do you get the feeling, now again, I follow this like three times a year. You know, I'm, I have as much of a relationship with like my proctologist as I do with New Japan. Congrats. With that said... Absolutely. And we're getting old. You got it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I, I think about this and I'm like, we're still going on the Bullet Club being a huge draw. And at the same time, we're reuniting, well, the original Bullet Club on Raw. And we got the guy who led it the second time as the champion on SmackDown. So it's not that I don't like Kenny Omega, but it's, I mean, is it's he not the your C-Show guy? Like, you know. It's not your you, Bullet Club, then. That's kind of what you're saying. Right. Like, the Bullet Club you see now, outside of the Young Bucks, is not the Bullet Club you've come to know and were emotionally invested in. You, you remember when uh, Nexus got taken over by CM Punk? Yeah, that's... Or NWO Wolfpack. Yeah, well, it was like, it was good. I could see the value in it. But it's not the original thing. And, you know, there's something to that. Like, I get it. Like, I get that Kenny Omega is a talented guy and he's a, a, what do they call it, Gation or whatever, where you're like a foreigner. I think that's the word. I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> if not, we're going if to If I a whole said something pop- really bad in Japanese, I apologize for a Japanese audience. <laughs> I really don't know. Okay. Like, but whatever that word's supposed to be, like, I get it. He's part of the group because he's the American guy and it's, they're still going with this thing. But yeah, I am getting. I mean, it is obviously taking off the NWO, but it's kind of like NWO two thousand at this point. You, you know, I'll say this: I was, I was disappointed in the pomp and circumstance around this match. There was, you know, I thought, oh man, the intros are going to be crazy. Which I, I admit that I am an I, I'm an intro. I love a good entrance for a wrestler. There were average at best i i really didn't feel like they had that this this was their wrestlemania they did not have that wrestlemania intro moment or after the match there wasn't confetti or there wasn't anything that really told me that this was the wrestlemania moment match for me yeah but you know what i i feel that way and i'm not trying to put down any other organization it's just that nobody has done it the way that WB has learned to do it. They just haven't. I mean, I, I used to watch WCW back in the day, and I'll go back and watch those events. I don't remember. I mean, to, to drive that point home, Starcade 97, their biggest show ever, 
Sting, who had come down from the rafters and, you know, dropped right. out of thin air, came out through the curtain like everybody else. Like, they didn't realize how big a show this was to go, you know what, we got to go bigger with his entrance. I, no I, one else has done it like WWE. No, I agree. But, you know, if you see some of this New Japan stuff, at, at moments they have done it. I wouldn't say just as good as WWE, but mid-card just as good, if that made sense. Yeah, me. Maybe, but I mean, you know, when's the last time someone came out on a tank? You know, we've done that a few times in WWE. It just, it's on a different level. Ru- and as much as Rusev, we want to praise two, yeah, yeah, two, two, two WrestleManias or one WrestleMania ago. I think it was two. It was when he fought Cena, right? And last year he did the the proposal, so yes. it had to be at least two. Yeah. It, right, it was like uh, San Francisco WrestleMania, San Francisco. Right, yeah, match that New Japan. Where's your wrestlers proposing to each other, huh? <laughs> it would have been weird if Jericho proposed to uh, Omega at the end. Yeah, I don't know how his kids would have felt about that. It would have been strange. Look, Glad we didn't get that moment. <laughs> but let, let's move on. We we both agree, <laughs> though, it was a good match. Yeah, the, the time difference, you really could tell, was the commitment between the wrestling fans and the casual WWE fans because... Uh, I saw at about 9 a.m. a lot of people going, who won the match? Who won the match? So that's how you can tell some people apart. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, what, it started 4 a.m.? I yeah. mean, yeah. not for nothing. I thought I was going to have work, <laughs> you know. I thought that was going to be the case. And, you know, I live in New York, so uh, that was a bust today. <laughs> um, I, I know we probably have people live, listening from all over, but uh, – yeah, that whole thing that they were talking about with the, with the snow and the wind, yeah, that's a real thing, and it sucked. And uh, I should have probably just stayed up because why the heck not, but I went, meh, I'm going to do this this real asshole thing called sleep. Oh, well. I, I've heard about it. So that. I watched it later. Yeah. Let's let's move on. 2017, Rolling Stones announced Miz was the wrestler of the year. Personally, do you agree with that? I love the Miz. And I probably made that clear all the way back when you and I did our first show. We both loved what The Miz was doing. Yeah. This is when he was, like, rising to his powers in, like, 2010 or whatever. Mm -hmm. The amazing thing was he didn't do that great while he was on top. A nice run. But afterwards, you kind of like, all right, he's going to fade back into purgatory. He had his time, which a lot of guys do. But here we are, seven, eight years later, and he's still doing his thing. So... Do I think he's the wrestler of the year? No. Do I think he's like that guy who's super valuable to the roster and doesn't usually get the respect he deserves for it? Yeah, that's probably what he really is. And Rolling Stone, I guess, was paying tribute to that. But to put him ahead of guys that like Braun Strowman, you know, like AJ Styles, guys who held, well, Braun didn't hold the title, but really, you know, main evented the shows and really came into their own this year. I don't know if I could do that, but, I mean, I'm happy to see that he's getting recognized for all the good work he does. To me, this was a tough one because I truly believe Miz was the wrestling entertainer of the year. He cut some amazing promos. You know, he did the the Smack smack Talk Live, whatever it was, you know, after show where he cut that amazing promo on – Daniel Bryant, that was last year, and that was the turning point which really solidified him making that Intercontinental Championship mean something, and he was right about that. In the ring, he was a good wrestler. Not the best wrestler. I I think he's kind of on the John Cena level of wrestling, where John Cena's not bad. John Cena's good, but John Cena is a personality which carries his wrestling, and that's the... That's the way I feel about the Miz. It's kind of the way I feel about the Young Bucks too. Is I, I don't know if I care if I if I never see a Young Bucks match again. But what they've done outside of the ring would put them on the level of Entertainer of the Year. I I could see that. Uh, well, for me with them, it's just you know pick different move and go with it every now and again. Just mm-hmm. Do that. But uh, no, as far I, I I get that as far as. But that's the thing. I've never tried to deviate like, oh, this guy has, you know, more technical prowess. It's who am I entertained by? It's sports entertainment, right? So if I'm tuning into the show, who's entertaining me? 
who, which segment am I going? Wow, that was a great segment. I'm glad I tuned into that. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, the Miz segment is one of the best ones on the show. Yes. So he very rarely fails to entertain, and you got to give him credit for that. And you're right, the Intercontinental Title looks better as a result. It, it does, and. I find myself when someone else holds it, and it's not a knock on Roman Reigns, but when someone else holds it, to me, it just becomes another championship. And it's one of my complaints about the WWE is there needs to be one world champion. I'm there needs to be one tag team champion, one woman's champion, and then you know the Intercontinental, the U.S. I'm okay with that. The, the B level belts like that, but when you have two world champions, to me, it really dilutes the hierarchy and that would if you went down to one world champion that intercontinental championship would mean something it's granted there was a period in the wwe where people forget that the intercontinental championship was basically the number one contender to the main belt so do you go back and do something like that i think it'd be tough but i'd be okay with it no but i i think the idea that by holding that title, you are one of the top guys on your show, and maybe that does make you eligible to fight the guy that's on both shows that's your world champion. You know, I, I've, I've thought about that idea myself, and I do think there's some credence to that because when you have two champions, do you really have one? Nope. I mean, is AJ the best? Is Brock the best? I mean, actually, we know Brock because he beat him because we have to do one of those shows every year every where year. they fight each other. Yeah. But... If we didn't, and they were just on separate shows, and they were both the champions, like, how do we know? We're just like, all right, that's, you know, the guy who's the champion over there. But why? You know, it. I, I I stick with that idea, and it does. Like, when we look back and we go, well, Orton's a 13-time champion, and Edge is a 12-time champion, and this and that, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big how many times are they champion or how many days. Like, I don't really care. It's how you hold it to me, but a lot of people do care. And since they do... By having two, it's going to give you more title reigns. It's going to give you more of that stuff to play with. And it just creates a whole lot of nonsense and a lot of headaches when it comes to that stuff. See, I'm old school where I really got a kick out of the fact that Jinder Mahal was champion for so long. I loved it. Whether you agreed with him being a good champion or a bad champion, that was some throwback wrestling where he held onto that belt for six months and... I'd like to have seen them have a clean win here and there. They basically did what they'd done to every Hill champion the last year and a half. But to, to me, I want to see that belt held longer. I don't need to see the world champion or the intercontinental champion defended on every Raw or every house show. Make it special, you know. Only have that belt on the line at pay-per-views again. I'm okay with that. Yes and no. Like... I'd be okay with that too, but I kind of like the idea that every now and again, it would be up just for the sake of it because it, it, it mean, it's made more spontaneous. Not that we just go, well, your job is to do stuff on the t- television show, then show up at pay-per-view and defend your title. I like the spontaneity. I miss the spontaneity. Now, I think there's a mix between that though because you ever get that feeling like, when they change the title at WrestleMania, which probably will happen this year. Mm-hmm. So let's say we have a new champion after WrestleMania in at least one of the belts. We're going to have a show after that. And I guarantee you the wrestling fan response is going to be, well, I mean, they can't lose. So, you know, because they just got the belt. And the fact that we think that means that it's not compelling because we're like, ah, you can't lose the belt that quickly. That's just not a thing that WWE does. And. It's not a thing wrestling does. I want that to happen. I want them to book it where that actually happens so that you go, well, damn, I guess it can happen. Anything can happen. Uh, and I'm, and I'm For- fine with that. And that would work if you defended it less on free TV. Sure. I'm just saying every now and again, like throwing one or two a year just because you don't want to make it seem like TV's not worthwhile. It, it would Don't been- do it all the time. It would have worked between Brock and Goldberg if you did that. Sure. Yeah, I would. I, I, I would have been less mad, and I got why Goldberg won because he was hurt. They were protecting him. I, I, I get that, and I understand, and it's entertainment. So I'm not going to be mad 
that somehow a almost 60 year old wrestler beat your be- your beast incarnate what two or three times on pay-per-view for your championship i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bitch about that i i i, I get it but you could have had brock surprise us and and take it back on a raw trick me you could have had him what was it wrestlemania where did brock win it back at wrestlemania i'm yeah, yeah. Run it back at WrestleMania in like a five-minute match. You know what? Give Goldberg the WrestleMania win and then have Brock win it back that Monday. That would have been awesome. I, I would have been fine with it. I mean, you know, the whole point was, and I actually know this from uh, from personal experience because a couple years back we got to talk to Goldberg at uh, City Field because I need to cheap plug myself for no reason. Um, it's okay to name drop. Did, I do it. Yeah, no, but he he appeared at that at this uh, event, and he like speared somebody and jackhammered somebody, but he wasn't wrestling. Um, but when he was asked by somebody in the interview crowd, you know, if he ever returned to wrestling, he said, "I would do it for my son." It's about it. He goes, "I, you know, I accomplished what I wanted to. I have a good life. I, you know, I would do it because my son never saw me wrestle. I got married when I was done wrestling, so his son's like ten years old." Right, and now his son got to see him wrestle, so that it's cool. I mean, and his son got to see him borderline main event WrestleMania. Great, could have gone either way, and I could have gone for the title change the next day. The fans would ate that up. They so would've. yeah, I'd be fine with that. You know, just give me some of that spontaneity where it's not, you know, where we're not like, okay, well, we're gonna be waiting because we don't change titles at small shows. Because yeah, we'll defend them, but. You know, don't change them unless it's like SummerSlam or WrestleMania. Doesn't have to be. I actually like that AJ Styles won the won the title on SmackDown. No, that was great. I liked it. Yeah. Why not, right? Why not? <laughs> Joy Me Now is quickly going to be one of my best friends, whether he knows it or not. Uh, we've been Twitter buddies now for a few weeks. Uh, he's coming up to wrestle here in Detroit, Michigan soon. I can't wait to go see him do that. The son of Brian Pillman, who I liked him when he had the Bengals pants on. Then uh, I I was a WCW guy most of my life, not a WWE guy or WWF. So, you know, I, I kind of stopped following once he made that jump. But I'm kind of excited to see her and talk to the son of Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman the second. What's going on? How's it going, everybody? So, uh, it's going good. Just hanging out with my friends and enjoying some time uh, away from all of my studies. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. So, let's let's talk about how, what made you want to get into wrestling. How did you, you decide that? Because I've been a lifelong wrestling nerd. And I'd say probably eight months ago, I made the jump from sports. Sports talk radio to wrestling podcasts, and I was lucky enough to you know con one of my buddies, P.D. Williams, into doing it with me. And you know, I I came back into my love of professional wrestling. Never really went away, but there was a period where you get a certain age, you kind of have to hide it from your buddies at work. But you, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. How did you decide that you know what I'm going to be a wrestler? Well, it was really always in the back of my uh, mind growing up. I mean, you can imagine, you know, what it's like growing up with a name that has uh, that much attached to it. So it was always an option for me to at least look into it. And uh, I think it didn't really draw me in when I was younger just because, you know, the you know the stigma of, you know, what happened to my father. And, of course, my mother tried to uh, tell us it was the worst, you know, tell us it was bad for you, like, just stay away from the from the wrestling business. So, took a long time. I played some some different sports, and then finally, after graduating college and getting a steady job, I just decided that uh, sitting at a desk wasn't for me. And I was mature enough and in athletic shape enough that I could go and pursue this and give it a shot. And I've I've pretty much given it 120 percent since I started. So, where I'm at now is where I'm at because I'm I'm focusing and I'm training and I'm getting better and working really hard so i'm just looking forward to the future of everything and that's what made me want to get in you know get started were you always a wrestling fan or at a certain point in your life did you kind of start picking it up 
Because, listen, whether we like to admit it or not, moms have a lot of influence over our lives. So I, I can kind of imagine what you had to go through. But at what point did you pick up becoming a wrestling fan? Uh, I would say between the ages of 6 and 12, I, you know, I, I kept watching wrestling and stuff. And then started picking it back up when I was about 22. And started getting back into it. So there was a good 10-year period where I wasn't watching any wrestling, you know. I was focusing on my uh, my sports and my academics and stuff like that. Did, did Who were some of your favorite wrestlers? Oh, I really like Kenny Omega. I think he's really cool. Because if you think of it in my context, I've just been getting back into wrestling recently. recently so a lot of the newer uh, popular guys today are who I relate with and who I can uh, take ideas from, you know, people that have a similar body size as me, you know. I really like AJ Styles. I think he's great. I like a lot of the Japanese guys and the people that have wrestled in Japan and stuff. So that's kind of my style of, uh, of wrestling. I, I, you know, I study a lot of Randy Orton, but I'm not a Randy Orton fan per mm -hmm. se. I just study his stuff. But, yeah. How, That's just how that goes. How did, because I'm not going to lie. I, I've recently, probably over the last year, learned how to watch wrestling from a different perspective of just a fanboy. And it, it's truly a different experience from watching as a fan. What, what have you been surprised most about watching different products from the eye of someone in the industry opposed to being a starry-eyed kid? Um, definitely one thing you'll notice, like, when you watch WWE, they don't work as hard at making it look super real. You know, there's there's a little bit more um, precaution on the side of strikes and things like that, but when you watch, like, per se, like, Japanese wrestling, it's a little more, you know, it's a little more snug, and these guys are really putting a lot packing a lot of punch behind it and stuff so i think that's the difference in styles if that's what you're looking for but i know that i'm going to be a mixed bag of things you know i'm going to do a lot of things one of the things i want to master is is my strikes and i think you know it's hard to have a really good punch these days it's when you look at what everybody's got so if you have a good punch you'll stick out because not many people are putting the work in to make you know their strikes look super great so i think that's one thing that the whole industry can improve on and some area where i'd like to focus on when you got into wrestling, I was I was very impressed at how much the internet and different uh, news outlets really picked up that you were you were getting into this. Does that does that intimidate you a little bit? Um, I feel like I kind of always always saw it coming, so it's hard to be intimidated by something that is really expected, you know. Because I dealt with it as a young kid, like when I was like four or five growing up, so I I knew what it was like to have all of that you know all that spotlight on so uh not too not too uh intimidating for me to handle so uh, it is it does get taxing though you know trying to respond to everybody uh it takes up a large portion of the day when you're trying to uh set up your bookings and deal with you know people that want to connect or do something people have an idea or something and you can't always uh accept everyone's feedback you can't always accept everyone's advice and you can't always work on projects with people you know some point you got to go into go into it looking at it you know looking at it like a business and just you know keep your business to yourself while you can and then you start branching out once you once you got some risk you can take and stuff like that you know i, I i'll give you uh, major props here because i started following your twitter feed after reading one of those articles on you and you've been nothing but amazing like you've been anytime i've ever tweeted you you've been boom right back to me I you I've seen you tweet people at least fans right off the bat. You are one of the most outgoing, personable follows on Twitter. So if people have a chance to follow you, you are you are a great follow. Thank you, appreciate that. I always try to uh, provide content, you know, for people that are following me, whether it's just being sociable or uh, posting up pictures and stuff to create a sort of product for everybody to enjoy. That's that's my goal you know i really i do love people i've always had like i've always depended on my friends growing up so you know in a way a lot of my a lot of my people are just my friends you know people have met 
whether at shows or you know on the road or whatever it's uh just a big big long friend list of uh people so how how has the your your father's generation of wrestlers accepted you into the industry um it's been great it's, uh people that really he had a lot of friends in the business will say that so you know typically you know some people might go a long career they might get heat or they might get fired but my dad was never being looked at as being let go anytime soon so he was a big uh a big boon for the company i think i think he was going to make a lot of money for the wwe and uh there would have been a huge huge change in you know just how things would have played out within the company and i feel like the history of wrestling would be would be completely different as we know it you know had he survived his demons and stuff so uh yeah but you know, was, uh, what was the, what was the question again? <laughs> how how has Sorry. The, the wrestlers that he wrestled with welcomed you into the business? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. It, I, it, but anyway, know, so but that's, it, it's... that because of that, that's why these people are so willing to, you know, reach out and help me out and uh, you know, give me you know, give me their cell phone number. Like, hey, message me if you need anything and stuff. So I can't uh, I can't say I'm not blessed because I've been pretty much blessed with just being having a family there waiting for me you know so it's been really nice i just recently this year started kicking around indie shows there's a lot of boy what can i how how do i say i've had my own misconceptions about some of the indie shows out there and i've been just about pleasantly surprised at every show i've gone to uh, do you kind of have that same feeling that you know you were a little bit surprised at the culture or the way some indie shows were based on maybe what your perception had been before getting into the industry yeah i just think the entire uh entire side of indie wrestling especially this the the in-ring stuff to the out of the ring stuff the production to the to the people to the fans everything has its own um difference in in how events are Constructed. I know I grew up, you know, going to the bigger shows like Rawls and and stuff when I was little. So uh, I can imagine that when I wrestle there, I'm going to have to wrestle, you know, differently in a different style than I would say, you know, you know, I went on a, a big time show. So it's just you have to deal with what you get and you have to adapt to each situation. You know, if they give me some guy that's you know bigger than me, I got to know how to wrestle a big guy. If they give me a guy that's smaller than me, I got to wrestle a smaller guy because I'm an average, medium sized guy. Average is a bad word, but I'm a medium-sized person, so I got to be very versatile. And I, I, you know, I enjoy the indies, and uh, I go out there to have fun. Some people are a little sketchy at indie shows, and some mm-hmm. people are extremely friendly and uh, you know welcoming, like a family. So it's been pretty, pretty, pretty fun ride traveling around. I can say that. What was let's let's talk a little bit about your first indie match, which was was it just recently or because I, I read the article. And I, I don't know if it was, I want to say less than a month ago. It was Saturday, yeah. Wow. So it was, it was Saturday, yeah. But I've had matches before under a dark name, like a secret name. So <laughs> wait, wait. Can you can you tell it me the my, secret? Technically, my first match. <laughs> can, can you tell me the secret name? Nope. Oh, oh man. I'm gonna yeah. guess it's you like go and find him. Bruce Little. That's gonna be my guess. That's a good one. Thanks. Close to Stuart Little, but with Bruce, yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my secret wrestling name. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All right. Um, so as we wrap this up, your your first indie show was was you know Saturday. You're you're coming up to Michigan for mm-hmm. another show. How how what is your process now? Because you had told me your your bookings are starting to come in hot and heavy. What is your process now to determine yay or nay whether I take this booking or not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So basically I've just been – I usually just say yes if they agree to, you know, whatever it is that I need to get there and everything. So um, I try to be like first come, first serve. You know, I don't really reach out to people. Most people reach out to me. So it works out in that sense that, you know, I'm not getting any heat for, you know, undercutting somebody or trying to you know because that way i just say first come first serve and whatever works out whatever works out you know if if a better opportunity arises you just gotta you gotta kind of bite your tongue and move on because you made a commitment to someone else so you gotta uh you know you gotta pay your dues and you can't you can't just start 
ripping people off your first week in the biz. So um, I'm going to stick with my bookings right now. And I think I maybe had to cancel on one person, but it was due to unforeseen circumstances. So you just got to uh, do what you got to do and uh, honor your bookings. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> do, do you have merchandise yet? I, uh, I have eight by tens that I can sign and uh, sell for 10 bucks. But uh, if you want t-shirts working on a design right now, I got a graphic designer on the case and working on it for about two days. So we should have this um, logo completed here shortly. And then we'll start selling some t-shirts for you guys. That's, that's odd, man. I can't, listen, I'm really excited that you're coming up to Blue Water Wrestling. Uh, we'll get the dates out here in a little bit. Anything else you want to plug before we let you go? Because, look, I appreciate your time. You stopped playing Street Fighter for me, which means – I'm I'm like slightly above McDonald's or Burger King, so I'm very excited about that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I uh, I cooked a steak earlier, so oh nice. Don't eat any fast food tonight. <laughs> so what what uh, how do people follow you? Where do you, what uh, platforms are you on? Yeah, so you can always catch me on uh, Twitter at Flying Brian Junior, and then on Instagram at Flying Brian Forty One. Those are my accounts and. Um, yeah, just follow me on there. There's no point in adding me on Facebook because I ran out of room. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people keep trying to add me on Facebook, but <laughs> I can't really do anything about it. I'll have to figure out how to convert it over to a fan page or something. But, uh, yeah. Well, it, it's a nice problem to have when people want to connect with you and follow you. I'm, I'm really excited oh, yeah. about your future success, and I can't wait to watch you wrestle. And, you know what, I'm even going to buy you dinner one night. Oh yeah, that'd be a, that'd be my pleasure to uh, have some dinner with you. <laughs> oh man, I appreciate it. Well, get back to Street Fighter, and uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Oh yeah, no doubt, anytime. All right, uh, that was a great interview. Uh, thank you so much, Brian, for hanging out with us. All right, Eric, let's get back to talking about 2017-2018, the WWE product and beyond. Other in, other organizations. Are you excited about what the WWE is doing going into 2018? As a whole, probably not. I mean, I'm, I'm just getting to the point where you know, I've always been a promo guy. Like, that's my thing more so than anything else. Like, give me a good character or a good promo. And I know I'm going to get them few and far between, but these newer characters, they're just being so stripped down to the point where it feels like the writers – come from some like alien life form and they're like this is how humans should talk and they that's not how humans should talk uh but i but what i'm really excited about more than any of that because i i could look past all that because we're finally getting a women's royal rumble i'm really excited about that so i'm willing to look past a lot of this other stuff solely for that like i'm excited to start the year with that and see where it goes because i've wanted it for years so that's kind of where i'm at I'm glad you brought up the Women's Royal Rumble because I'm kind of excited, but I'm nervous and worried too. After seeing what they did with the first Money in the Bank and James Ellsworth getting involved, it it scares me. It scares me that there could be a Nikki Bella winner. I'm not so sure I'd be upset if Ronda Rousey won it unless she sticks around for a while. But to me, I I said they need to consolidate the two belts. And have everybody involved in this Royal Rumble. Because it seems like a travesty that Charlotte won't be involved in this Royal Rumble match. And, you know, Bliss won't be involved in this Royal Rumble match. I wish they could figure out a way to get everything we want in this one first match. Yeah, I mean, I like that they're treating it the way the men's match is treated, meaning there are two people not in it. Does it suck that those two people happen to be very compelling characters? Yeah. But I think there's enough that's going to happen there that's going to at least engage us that, hmm, I wonder if that person wins, if they're going to face Alexa Bliss or if they're going to face Charlotte. There's something to that. So, yeah, as much as I would like... Yeah, everyone to get their shot in this thing. I get that you you have champions and they're not going to be in it. That's the way it's been since 1993. Another thing that scares me about this whole situation, the NXT situation. I love the way WWE, at least for the men, 
have done a great job of keeping both brands separate. Now, if you look at the main roster, I believe there's 20 total you know, women wrestlers on the main roster. That leaves you 10 spots. Now, you're going to probably have a call-up, although they just had, you know, what, six in the last, or five in the last month. Maybe six if you count Asuka in the last month and a half. So, I'm worried that they make the mistake of having a couple of the NXT women involved with this without being called up. I think they did it last year with a couple of the men, so it wouldn't kill me. But you're still going to have to have a couple surprise entrants here. Uh, you know, the rumored was Nikki Bella. I said, you know, there's got to be a Trish Stratus or, uh, you know, a Beth Phoenix involved in this. There, there's got to be a Lita. It, that has to happen in this match. Yeah, I mean, we went through this on, on my show, and I'll say the same thing here that I said there. And that is, this is not just hey, we need to get a winner so we can decide on our title match for Mania. This is a culmination of years upon years, really since the late 90s, and as much as luck. I understand that there were women wrestlers before then, and they did great things, and there was Moolah and Mae Young and all that stuff. But the modern divas movement, when they brought back women's wrestling, was in the late 90s, and it sucked. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. It was bad. But we've been building from that from that ground level of terribleness to now, right? We've had talented people. We've had flashes of brilliance. But we're finally getting consistently good, compelling women's segments and matches. Mm-hmm. So we're going to include the women that got us there. And I don't know which one's going to be. I, I have my feelings on which women they're going to bring back for this match. But I'd like to be surprised with one or two. But we're going to get at least five or six of them. Which, yeah, seems like a, lo- a large number, but I, I, I just I think it's for the first one. I don't think moving forward it's going to be like that. I think moving forward we're going to have 13, 14 women on each roster so that, yeah, like there will be a couple each year if we put all the women in the Rumble. You know, this is just a starting point. This is not the be-all, end-all. This is where it begins. So I think we just have to accept that. Get excited for some of the people you, you're going to see that you haven't seen in a while. That's going to happen. And, yeah, you're going to get a couple of NXT stars because it's been done before. I think last year was uh, Killian Dane, and he's still down in NXT. He was in the Rumble. I think he came in, like, number five or so. Rusev did it a couple of years ago. Came in the Rumble. Didn't debut till I think, after WrestleMania. So it's it's a way that they can tease people. Like, hey, this person is going to be there in the future. They're just not yet. And it gives you a little bit of a taste. I just I, – I hope they don't put the champion in. Ember Moon should not be in the match. That's the one person I, I'm going to say hold off on. Who wins it? Who is your spot-on money man to win this? Ooh. You know, easy money would say Asuka. But because I've gone – with the idea that Ronda Rousey and Asuka eliminate each other, setting up like a grudge dream match. I've been going kind of off the rail as far as where it should go. And you're going to hate me, but I've gone with Nikki Bella as my pick. Wow, Nikki Bella. Do you think it's – look, I posted on someone's Facebook page who asked us that question that if Nikki Bella wins this, it's a smack in the face to everybody that's been on the main roster – if Nikki Bella wins this, do you believe it's a smack in the face to everybody who is on the show week in, week out? Uh, essentially, Nikki Bella, whether she's coming back from injury or not, is a part-time wrestler. Yes and no. Um, no, because I, it's not the type of thing where, I mean, was it a smack in the face to the roster and Batista won it? No, only to Daniel Bryan because people wanted him to win it. Insane. But it's not like people are like, well, Batista's terrible. Like, why is he winning Rumbles? Because the guy has been a, a champion and people believe that he could win a Royal Rumble. And it's not unbelievable to think that someone like Nikki Bella, the longest reigning Divas champion, could win a Royal Rumble. But the bigger thing there is think about what the end game is there, right? She'd be facing Charlotte at WrestleMania most likely. Unless for some odd reason they want her to face Alexa Bliss. Either way, 
You're using somebody who's been very good in the past. And yeah, I'm saying it. I know a lot of people don't agree. But someone who's been very good, who has name recognition and name value, and that person is going to fight a champion and put them over. Now, with that said, I'm very 50-50 on that pick because I still could see some idea of like the Bella Twins reuniting to fight off Absolution or the Riot Squad too. I I could see that possibility as well. You know, when I look back at this Royal Rumble, the winner has to be iconic. To me, you can't give it to somebody you want to push for six months and we may never see again. I don't want to see somebody. Now, I wouldn't be upset if, you know, at the last four, one of them is Trish Stratus or, you know, boy, would we see an Ivory or a Victoria or somebody crazy like that? I, I Not in the final four, but in the match, maybe. But the final four... I want one legend. I want you to tease me like, oh my gosh, there's a chance Trish Stratus can win this or Beth Phoenix can win this and then pull the plug. I wouldn't be totally upset if if Nikki won it, but if Nikki wins it, she needs to be on TV for at least through WrestleMania on a constant basis. She can't win it, disappear, cut some satellite promos, and show up at WrestleMania. No, I would agree with that. Um, you have to. And I do think that if they're going that direction, I think you would get that commitment because it's worth it. I mean, think of what we could do with Total Divas, knowing that we're building up to that, right? Right. So let's be honest. You know, we know what this is all about, right? I mean, let, uh, do you, I don't know. Do you watch Total Divas or mm-hmm. am I the only one? I think you're the only one. Uh, my okay. wife watches it, but once again – I put Total Divas on the same plane as I do New Japan Wrestling. Is some people just rolled over there, over in their grave. I'm sure it's an amazing product, but I am too saturated with other wrestling to fit that in somewhere in my day. Like to me, Impact Wrestling. I, I watch Impact Wrestling on like Friday or Saturday at 1 a.m. when I can't sleep and everybody's in bed, and I don't quite feel like watching the WWE. But maybe I want to watch some wrestling. All right. Well, uh, the thing for me was this is the way that I was able to get my girlfriend into wrestling. You know, she'd watch the Total Divas and go, all right, I like this character. I like this character. So it was kind of like that middle ground of, you know, it's it's hard to get someone to commit to watching a three-hour wrestling product with you. But an hour-long reality show where you get to know some of the people behind the scenes seemed like a good compromise. So – yeah, I've been I've been watching. I keep up with it. And, you know, this season they're doing like this lead up to Natalia's championship run that she had this summer. And I questioned it when it happened. And then it makes all the sense in the world now. They did that title run solely so they could talk about it on Total Divas. And there we are. It it disappoints me a little bit, but I guess I kind of understand it. But what, what are you going to do? Uh, but seeing how the WWE handled the money in the bank situation does not give me confidence that Santino is going to pop up and win this thing in the very last second. Yeah, that, I mean, actually, you know what the biggest thing that scares me is, is Ronda Rousey winning. And I know people would be happy about it because she's like a big star in their eyes, you know, maybe two years too late, but at the same time, she's not a wrestler. I know she's been training to be one, but she's not a wrestler. She's a fighter, which is fine. But this is the first women's rumble. There's never been one before, and you're going to bring in a total outsider and have them win this ginormous match? To me, that's worse than Ellsworth. Because Ellsworth didn't actually win the match. Carmella is the, the, the holder of that thing. He went and helped her. Carmella won the match. I can't In this disagree. case, Rousey would. I can't disagree with that line of thinking. How many times have we seen somebody come in and you have high hopes and you think, oh, my gosh, this is going to be amazing. And it's not. Ronda Rousey, in all seriousness, could could get in there and it just rest holds for 10 minutes. Yeah, that's the thing that scares me. Look, I'm not an MMA guy. I just I can't get into it. So. For me, I understand the draw there and that there is a crossover audience. I'm just not it. 
You know, like I watched a, an MMA fight and I'm going, I don't get it. Like, I feel like I watched this when I was in high school on the playground mm-hmm. and I probably made more money off it then than I do now. So there's that, you know, I I'm, you just have to know which, which kids are scrappy. That's all right. I, I'm with you. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm very interested to see how this plays out, but it, it can't be Rhonda. It, it, you know what? If Rhonda once again, final four. If you give me a final four of Nikki Bella, Ronda Rousey, Trish Stratus, and then someone currently on the roster, I would not be upset. But I, I would. But I think Ronda you gotta give me two it. people on the current roster. But what two? What two in in all honesty? If you look at that current roster right now, there's not really two women on there that they built up to make you believe that they can beat 30 other women. They really haven't done anything with with well, any I, other girls. I've thought about this. And you know how there's like certain tropes that happen in the Royal Rumble each year? Okay. Like there's always yeah. like the long man, right? There's always the beast, like the person that mm-hmm. comes in and eliminates a lot of people. They don't win, but they just eliminate a lot of people kind of thing. Um, yeah, there's always like a story in the first half of the match that goes away. I think we're going to be able to do all those tropes and we can hit all of them. And I've thought about who should fill those roles. Now, the long man, I think is, should be fairly obvious. It's Sasha Banks. I think she's going to start early in the match and she's going to go probably close to the final four. Like she might be the like fourth to last eliminated where she's in there for, you know, 50 minutes or whatever, uh, but doesn't win. Wait, wait, and wait. that's fine. I mean, wait, 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 wait. What? I'm going to interrupt you for one second. We're yeah. going to have to write this down because I feel like we can have a guess here that that this is going to be an awesome game. Okay. Your your long your long man is is going to be Sasha Banks. I think I'm going to yes. go with for mine. I'm going to go with Becky Lynch. Okay. I I think Becky would be the perfect long long man here where you know she lays down she she's in pain almost you know thrown over a couple times T- to me they've done a poor job with Sasha I, I see what you're saying with her if there's anything that can rehabilitate her image right now it's a Royal Rumble victory but I don't have confidence that they would do that I think I, I'm going with Bailey not Bailey I'm going with uh Becky Lynch here but this is going to be fun. Yeah. I like this. What's next? Go next. Well, the next thing is who's going to have the most eliminations. Now, there's a difference between being the monster, which should be obvious. It's Nia Jax. And she'll come in and eliminate a couple of people. But I actually think the person who's going to eliminate the most people, yet still not win the match, is Asuka. I think she's going to come in kind of late, eliminate a lot of people, look incredible, and then you'll do, I think, the Rousey thing where she comes in like no, like the the announcers talk about who can stop Oscar because she says nobody can stop Oscar, right? And Ronda Rousey comes out and they just brawl over the top rope. You know, it's not like Rousey eliminates her and looks stupid. They just get into it with each other, you know, and fight each other over the top rope, eliminating one another at the same time. Crap, but that, that's good. She'll eliminate like six or seven people before she does it, kind of thing. That that's really good. I think I'm going to go with Naya here just because you took Asuka and Naya's the next logical step. Maybe, but I, I doubt they'll give it to what, Tamina, Tamara. Uh, yeah, no. Nah. No, nah, but I, you know what? I think I'm going to say Naya. She comes in, throws a bunch of people out, and then you get the three or four or the six girls all team up and throw her over. Yeah, I mean that seems – fairly obvious there's no way that one person i know they've done it you know with like with the men where like you know some guy came shockingly right but like someone shockingly small gets the elimination or like you know like remember maven eliminated the undertaker kind of thing painful yes right or like you know somebody who has like strength like becky lynch tosses her out like holy crap look at that strength thing but no i think they're going to do the thing where they have like five or six people Eliminate her as well. I, I can't imagine her going out any other way. Although I think it would be funny if Enzo tried to catch her, like to save her, and she just fell flat on him. Oh, well, I can't. I that, that's too much body shaving. I can't believe it. <laughs> Look, I think that's hilarious. 
and and I would I'd find that funny, but I can't see the WWE in today's age going with that. But I mean, listen. But I'm with you on it. Can we stop with the political correctness? The WWE was built on really fat dudes. Like, let's not kid ourselves. All right, like Hulk Hogan fought a slew of fat dudes for a good like eight year period. And balding. That's all he fought, right? Yeah, that's all he fought. That wrestling's always had the big, chunky dudes. Like some of them were pretty athletic. Bam Bam Bigelow, Vader, like guys like that. It's not saying that they're not athletes or whatever. That's just what they are. So we we gotta pretend like you know big is beautiful. No, Vader was ugly. Bam Bam Bigelow had a tattoo in his head. He was ugly. We were okay admitting they were ugly. What what's next? We we've got the long man. Uh, we've got the most the eliminations. Short man. Who's gonna get that like really quick? Barely made it in the match, but yet made an appearance kind of thing. Ooh. Is there gonna be a Santino like two second kind of girl? Are they gonna do that to anybody? It's gonna be gosh. It's going to be Bailey, right? Oof. I hope not. I hope they give her at least, like, a fighting chance. I'm not saying she needs to eliminate a bunch of people. And I understand she's kind of really falling off the planet. No, I actually think it's going to be Dana Brooke. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. That Dana's That's a good one, though. Dana. Boy, that's a great one. I think I think you're gonna be right with this one, but I can't pick the same one. So, ah, boy, I will say it's gonna be. I'm going with Natalia. Okay, I think Natalia has has. has nope. You know what? Can I change? Lana. I'll allow it. Lana. 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 All I, right. I think Lana is going to be the quick elimination. I was wondering if it was going to be the type of thing, though, where she comes in, right? Mm-hmm. The next person in is Tamina, which she's been teaming with. And Lana gets kicked off, gets like caught by Tamina, looks at her like, you're going to put me back in, right? And she just drops her and goes in the match herself. Great. That would have been perfect. I like that. I, I I wonder if they'll do stuff like that. Like, I wonder if they'll let them be, you know, have those funny spots. But the next the next one I'm going to do is, who's going to have the Kofi spot? Is there any woman that's going to have a spot where they look like they should be eliminated, but their feet don't touch the ground? Who's going to get that big athletic spot? Naomi. I mean, that, that seems like the obvious choice, right? I think I, Na- Naomi or Paige. Where she gets saved by her team or something? Yeah, where or she she does something kind of jaw dropping. I think she has the athletic ability to to pull something like that off, and she kind of has that uh, you know loose cannon kind of thing where it would play well. So if if I have to pick one, I'm gonna stick with Naomi. Who are you taking? Well, I got to go with someone else now, don't yeah. I? Yeah, yeah. Finally. All right. um- <laughs> Let me see if I can come up with anybody that I think might have that sort of ability. And I'm wondering if it's someone we just don't know about yet. And what I mean by that is I'm going to go with Mandy Rose. Nice. Like maybe she's okay. secretly – I know she was a bodybuilder. I'm wondering if she also has like an athletic background that maybe we give one of these newer girls something. Because I, I don't think it's Sarah Logan. I don't think it's Sonya Deville. I think they're the more powerhouse. Mm-hmm. So is it Liv Morgan or is it – Mandy Rose. I'm going with Mandy, and I'm just wondering if you know she has some secret athletic ability. We just had, we just don't know about it yet. So maybe it's an opportunity as a small showcase to see. Wow, she can do something in here. All right, now now I'm taking notice. Now maybe I have reason to care about the rest of Absolution. I like it. So I, I really yeah, like that. that. I that that's a great one. You see her Twitter? She's a great one. All right. <laughs> Boy. No, I'm actually, I'm actually, I've been on the Mandy train for a while because you saw when she did the, uh, when she was trying out that she actually wanted to be there and actually was working hard. I can respect that. So I'm hoping she gets her opportunity. I want to see what she can do. Could, is Oscar athletic enough to pull off that crazy move? But they wouldn't do, I, 
they wouldn't do that to her because they're building her up to be such a beast, right? Yeah, I, I think they're going to have her more just be in there just kicking people very hard. Right. You know, I don't think she needs to tease being eliminated. I don't think that's who she is. You know, I think who she is is I, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to laugh at people who try to hit me hard. And I'm going to hit them even harder. I'm with, so yeah. whether she's athletic or not, no, nah, I think I think I think she's going to be in the middle of the ring for a very long time or at least not moved until she needs to be moved. Who else? Who else? What what other spots do we have here? Well, are we going to I'll just ask a couple of questions. Are we going to get the riot squad in full facing off against absolution in full in the match? No, I, I cannot imagine them doing that uh, it, in theory it sounds cool but you have the Bray Wyatt situation where you know how do you put all three members of the Wyatt family in the ring and still not win the Royal Rumble even though they were they clearly cheated well yeah that was stupid but I mean, we've done it before. Remember the um, the Nexus and the core? Yep. After Nexus broke up and they were all in the match at the same time kind of thing? Yeah, I, you know, well, I, I can't – I cannot imagine because then you, you stagger them in and you can protect one of them for a long run if that was the way you want to go. So I think they're going to try to do a protection way like that. Yeah, I, and actually I thought about this and – I, I came to – like I was wondering who it's going to be, and I think the first half trope is going to put over the Riot Squad, meaning they're going to come in at like – you know, maybe one of them is number two, mm-hmm. um, and then another one of them comes in at number three, and they do their thing for a while. And then halfway through the match, that's when Absolution starts coming in, and I think they're going to make it – or at the very least, Paige is going to make it probably close to the end. And she's a bit of a dark horse to actually win the thing. Like I, I it agree. wouldn't shock me if she won. Uh, it, she's kind of the only one where that I could believe would should win it. Yeah, and I mean, I just don't want them to do it in the way that they did it with Orton back in two thousand nine. Uh, well, that was pretty smart with Orton because, well, two thousand nine. I think you were. I was talking. What was it? Fifteen or sixteen? Two thousand sixteen. Where. Yeah, the one last year he won too. But I'm talking about the one where he won with uh, Legacy. It was okay. him and both of his guys in Legacy against Triple H at the end. Triple H eliminates them, and then Orton sneaks in from behind and wins. Right. But the whole match was, how are we going to get to that ending? And I don't, I don't want that. I want Paige to have that protection, someone to take him out, probably Oscar or something like that, and then we can get to a different ending where Paige has to stand on her own, but she wins – anyway mm-hmm. kind of thing right. I, that that to me would be more compelling that yeah she had help to get to the end but when it push came to shove at the end she won and that's something to fear you know now that she's there she won and whoever the champion is be it she wants to face bliss be it she wants to take her group over to well i mean to be honest she's probably gonna stand raw but let's say it's alexa bliss she's got something to worry about there we go listen this has been a great first podcast you and I have done. I know Petey's not feeling good this week, and he's going to be kind of busy here and there. So you are going to be—I I feel like you're the third member. You're—you're you're in, man. But which side is he on? I, I like it. Are you who, who are you going to turn on? <laughs> Kravit, my other co-host now. Uh, so joining this podcast for good. So tell, tell before we uh, send this thing home, send everybody home happy in this marathon podcast. Talk, talk about your podcast. Where can people find you if they're interested? And you know, ho- hopefully you'll be back sooner than later. I would love it. I had a great time doing it. Um, what we usually do, the normal schedule is we do uh, Wednesdays at nine p.m. Um, I ninety five Sports Network It is the mouth of the South Shore radio show. So it's myself and the Crav, Eric Kravit, and it's it's an actual live radio show. So you can call in and speak to us live on the air. Uh, so we do different things each week. We 
do interviews sometimes. We do, obviously, all the wrestling talk. Um, so i95sportsnetwork.com, and there's a player right on there. You can also find it on TuneIn if you type in i95. Um, and we're constantly letting people know what's what's doing, obviously, on the social media. So you got the Facebook group, Mouth of the South Shore Radio Show, and on Twitter and Instagram, which I still have no idea what to do with Instagram, but it's there under the same uh, handle. I think that's what the kids are calling it, at MOTSS Radio. Man, I appreciate you stepping in, filling in a hole for me this week. Uh, WrestlingInc.com for all your news and rumors. Everything you need is right there at WrestlingInc.com. Monday night is the Raw Review with Mr. Matt Morgan. Uh, sometimes I'll pop in on the SmackDown Review, me and Petey. And now, Eric, you're part of the family. Feels good. Feels good to be loved. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy some wrestling. <laughs>